All right, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk. Playoffs, round two. Jeff here. Brad, how are you, man? I'm doing good. Uh, sad to see Luca go, but still excited to see some great matchups in the playoffs in the second round. And uh, the playoffs as a whole, whether it's dominating games or close games, it's all been kind of fascinating to watch, talk about, and see develop. Yeah. You know, the, the one thing about Luca, I won't let this go away. We, you brought it up. So Luca has now played in uh, two, two years in a row in the playoffs and coincidentally amongst the exact same team. And that team has had the top three of the top seven defenders in the league on it between Beverly and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I think anybody would tell you that those are three of the top seven defenders and probably two of the top three. Especially wing, if you take out. Yeah, like if we're talking wing defenders. One, twos, sure. and threes. Yeah. So those are those are big time. And Luca had, let's just say it, he had his way with the Clippers, man. He was a human stat machine. Um, I forgot the stat that I seen. I think it was 77 total points he accounted for between scored and assisted in, in game seven. And it was the most all time. I think that's what the stat is. 77 total points. In a game uh, seven? In a, yes, in a game seven. So it's total points, obviously, points and assists. Yeah, and if we're starting on this series a little bit, just recap in the first round, just for a hot second. You know, in, in the uh, in the game seven, the starting five all ended the game in double digits. It was um, after that big run in the third quarter, it said that the Clippers bench outscored the Mavericks bench. It was like 28 to four at one point in time. So the Mavericks roster is just not super deep. They were uh, they did really well to be the five seed. You know, if the Lakers weren't hurt all year, you'd assume they'd be the six, seven or maybe even playing games. But yeah, Clippers are a good roster. I, they're a tricky team going forward. But, um, you know, if, you know, the last two days, you know, Coward and Cowherd has, has basically said he doesn't like the Clippers, but loves Kai, uh, he was Kawhi unconscious Leonard when in game he's six on. And seven. When Kawhi was, Leonard plays like that, nobody's going to pick them to lose, but he never plays like that. It's so rare. He, was he amazing. had the capability. Everybody knows he can. He did it a couple of years ago in Toronto, like once or twice, especially in that, that Philadelphia series. But it's like, we just don't see that Kawhi. So why, was, you know, and, and Luca was that every night. Every single night, he had one off game, and I want to say it was an off game, but, like, he shot poorly. Game three hurt his neck, and then game yeah. four, he didn't have a good game. I yeah. believe is what like, it was. You know, he, he shot poorly or whatever, but it's like, he's 22 years old. I expect him to have a rough game. I don't expect two-time NBA champion Kawhi Leonard to have bad it just all the time. In, in the back of my mind, I was watching this series, and I was just like, Paul George is being let off the hook. He was completely pedestrian, super average, and Kawhi really bailed him out because if Kawhi, Kawhi stepped up and was playing on equal level as Luka game six and seven and the rest of the roster is better for the Clippers, yeah, I mean, hat off to Kawhi and Luka. That was amazing to watch those two battle it out, but Paul George got to be awfully pedestrian, maybe hit a three here or there, but I mean, I guess he didn't screw it though. But Let, uh, me, let me say this. I don't think Paul George is being let off the hook in the sense of like. Let me fast forward. I don't think Paul George is an A plus player. He's not Kawhi Leonard. 
are we wrong to assume that he was going to be? I understand he signed a max deal. I understand there was a ton of picks drafted for him. But, like, when has I he th- ever been a 30-point-a-night guy? Never. He was never that. So but, why but do we assume he's going to be? be- because because he, he was trajectorying that way, and he was for the Pacers. He absolutely was. I, I think he was. But he wasn't 30-a-night. He wasn't 30-a-night. Ever. Yeah, but but he was good defensively and he yeah, was good offensively. He's always and, been a good player, but like yeah, I, I expect a good player versus like a a thirty point a night save your team in the playoffs kind of guy. I just I think Paul George was was trajectorying towards that. So we I don't put think you're, I don't think you're I don't think you're super wrong by saying that. But just to put things in perspective for the listeners here, his career averages career twenty six and three. He's a career twenty point a night guy. I think the injury set him back. I think we we try and we don't we act like he shouldn't have been. I I think he was trajectorying towards a number one in the league, a thirty point a game guy. And then with the Olympic team when he broke his leg, he's a great number. Two. I don't remember what year that was. If I had to uh, guess, twenty sixteen. I think it was at the end of the twenty fourteen because he only played four games that year. He had not league that long. Oh yeah, so in twenty ten when he was drafted, eight points. Then twelve, then seventeen, then twenty-one. Yeah, <laughs> then twenty-one. So he is going up. You're right in that. Okay, you are right. He was going up. Then he gets hurt. Then he even goes up again, twenty-three point one. Then he goes up again, twenty-three point seven. But then twenty-two. He did that year in OKC with Russ. He had twenty-eight a game, and I think that one year where Russ is giving him the ball all the time, maybe we're just locked in the fact that he can be that, but he's not. These last two years, 21-23. He's a 22-point-a-night guy. That's what he is. And I just feel... I expect more out of Paul George. You... I expect more out of Paul George, Jeff. <laughs> you wrongly do, though. I don't That's think fine. he's going to get you 30 a night. No, Kawhi needs to be that. And they Kawhi won. does. Oh, good for them. Do you know where Paul George would fit perfect? With the Mavs. Flap him, teams. Because he doesn't need to get 30 a night. But when Luca passes it, he can expect it to go in. There's a man who fits perfect with the Mavericks, and he signed a deal this offseason, and he should have just went to the Mavs. We'll get, to that. we'll get to that later. What, 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 which matchup you want to start with? Just want to keep with the Clippers? They, they're about to play Utah, haven't played? Oh, let's... Do, do we want to touch on the Lakers at all, or you want to move on from that? Lakers are injury-ridden. LeBron's not the same LeBron, whether we want to admit it or not. Phoenix Suns were just a better team. Once Anthony Davis got hurt, the Lakers had no chance. I mean, most people, I would assume, don't want to bet against LeBron. Or maybe they do, but, like, you'd assume he's going to win the series. But they're a seven seed. They played a two seed, a very good team in Phoenix Suns. Anthony Davis had about seven monster quarters, and they won close games. He got hurt. Lakers are just getting blown off the court. I mean, they weren't even close games. The roster's not that great. And the bubble was covered up by LeBron's play and Anthony Davis's play. It's just they they didn't have enough. And, um, God, they were just the, – the Suns were better at everything. The Suns were better at everything. The, most of the series, that's why it only went six and – Let's right. transition to this. Suns Nuggets, two versus three. The Suns come out last night and pick up a um I'll say it, a a big win 
in, in game one. You know, obviously it's always great to steal game one. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win the series at all. I think game one wins roughly 60% of the time. So it's really almost just higher than a coin flip. Um, but two versus three, the Suns, obviously, uh, they took care of the Lakers and they come out here and beat up on the Nuggets. Where are you going with this series? Um, personally, the Suns are, they're kind of my rooting favorite right now. Like it's it's the team I'm rooting to win the title. Yeah, they're fun. Chris Paul doesn't have the success yet. You want to see him do good. Yeah. Devin Booker's the new guy that everybody's on. You know, you'll have a you know your handful of guys that are like, I was on Devin Booker forever, but he just hasn't had the postseason. I'm not saying you're you haven't been, but he's finally getting that recognition. It's crazy to think DeAndre Ayton's only 22. That's kind of crazy to think about for a minute. But I, I have the Suns in five. I don't think the Nuggets have what it takes. The, the two best players for the Suns, or did I say the Nuggets in five? You said the Suns in five. Okay, yes, I'm going to stick with that. Um, they have their top three guards all injured right now. Jamal Murray out. The two best players for the Suns are Chris Paul and Devin Booker at the guard positions. Um, a guy who just doesn't ever get talked about, who I'm really starting to love, my, I think he's in my top five players currently, Jay Crowder. I love Jake Crowder. He's a 3 and D guy. He did well for the Heat. I think he was a very crucial piece and didn't get talked about enough for the did Heat. you say he's in your top five players? Favorite, not best. Oh. No, no, no. Not, say not Brad. People are going to log off. Here, I spoke. <laughs> just favorite. I, I enjoy watching Jake Crowder. Okay. He's, he's not even in the top 25 players in the NBA. He's just, <laughs> he's just a 3 and D. He's a nice piece. I don't think it's talked about enough. And being probably the fourth best starter on this team, he can kind of pick and choose his moments. Mike, Michael Bridges is scoring 23 points. You know, he's in the low 20s. I, they had four players that were all 20 and up, and, and Jokic has to drag the Nuggets, I think. It was a good first series for the Nuggets. They were, they were able to beat a Portland team, but that was one-on-one. -on -one. It was Lillard versus Jokic. Jokic's roster is a little better. I think the Suns have just as good, if not a better, roster. They're fully healthy. They shoot the three ball more often and better. And in today's game, the three ball matters a lot. I could see the Nuggets getting a game. I really could, sure. But I, I think the Suns are going to the Western Conference Finals. I like the Suns heavy, heavy in this series, especially after seeing one game and watching watching teams play. It just looked like Denver was outmatched. And maybe they'll make coaching adjustments. But um, they're going to need Aaron Gordon to really step it up. And Michael Porter is going to have to go from 13 to 18 all the way up to 20, 25 points a game. You're asking an awful lot. And um, I think the Suns, Suns are really good. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to disagree with you much. But I will say this. I think five, the gentleman sweep, five games, I think that's a little steep. Only because for the exact same reason I thought the Lakers would beat the Suns. I think the Nuggets can be right there, too. So they have three forwards, okay, that are all very skilled. You just named them all. Jokic, Gordon, Porter Jr. Mm -hmm. Good forwards. Suns don't really have the same forward play, in my opinion, that the Nuggets do. I think this one goes six or seven. I think the Nuggets make this fun. Um, I think they're going to win their home games. I really do. I think that the Suns will probably win two, and then the Nuggets will win two straight. And then maybe the Suns at that point will win two in a row. But I think the Nuggets are going to make this entertaining. Um, I'm taking the Suns. I'm not disagreeing with you. 
Yeah. But the Nuggets are I don't think they're just going to get rolled over. They're too good. And Jokic is is too good. I think that this team got it just sucks cuz this team with Jamal Murray has a legitimate chance at winning an NBA title. And injuries suck, but uh he's out. So I just it'll be interesting. I, I agree with at, you though the the guard play it's not equal. I just looked at have a heavy favorite. I I think though although the the forward play offensively is better for the Nuggets. I think defensively, that's what the Suns' big men are better at is defense. I think it's a good matchup there. I just don't think they have anyone for Devin Booker, Chris Paul. And you look at maybe coaching adjustments, it was a one-point game favoring the Nuggets going into halftime. And after adjustments, the Suns beat them by 18 in the second half. It was like they made one or two little adjustments on Jokic and then the Nuggets had no answer. It's like they really figured out if we completely eliminate or try and throw doubles and everything at Jokic, the team simply doesn't have the shooting around him. As to where the Suns, they can hit. You know, I, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm just going to say the same thing I said the first time. I like the Suns. We we more agree than disagree here. Yeah. I just yeah. think that it's it goes a little bit further. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's, uh, let's keep it in the West here. This game hasn't been played at all. So it's the Clippers who had to take seven games to eliminate, um, the Luka Mavericks are now matching up against the Jazz who lost game one without Donovan Mitchell. And then they won four in a row. So a gentleman sweep, if you will. Um, where are you on this one? Because I think this one could honestly go either way. I think the Jazz yeah. are very skilled and deep, but I think that about the, the Clippers, too, and they want to be. Where are you going? Yeah, um, in the previous series for the Jazz, um, they basically took one game to basically say, this is how valuable Donovan Mitchell is. They beat the brakes off him once he came back. He is their one true player who can break down a defense. With that being said, we've alluded to the fact that the Clippers have three different guys that they could throw at Donovan Mitchell and give him heavy problems. Meaning, I expect Utah to come out with home court advantage and win the first one, maybe even the second one. But I still like the Clippers to wear down Donovan Mitchell and win the series. I actually like the Clippers here in this matchup, even if Dallas would have won. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry, flip that. If Dallas would have won, I would have taken the Jazz. But with the Clippers winning, I like that matchup better. I think the Clippers have good wing defenders. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they try and do to guard Rudy Gobert, though. They might need him to step up his offensive numbers. But, um, again, I think something that uh, uh, Rick Bucher, I think his name is, said in an interview, that um, I think with the Mavericks switching to Boban Marjanovic in that series kind of helped the Clippers prepare a little bit for what it's like with Rudy Gobert. Not that Boban is the same player as Rudy, but the same style in terms of you have a tower in the middle zone defense, you know, penetrating and kicking. And the Clippers were the number one team, I believe, in three-point field goal percentage in the NBA during the regular season. And they shoot a lot of threes. They can shoot it well. And both their stars can shoot the three-pointer well. Um, this is a team that I think is going to be able to score a lot of points. This is going to be a really fun series. I like the Clippers, but I don't see this game, this series going any less than six games, six or seven. I think it's going to be very close. But um, I expect Utah to, to open it up at home with a two-point or two-game lead. 
Yeah, I also think this one's probably going to go six or seven. And I'll say this. The Clippers are in trouble if they're going to play like they did against the Mavs where they're going to wait till game six and seven to actually turn it on. That's not going to be enough because the Jazz have arguably the best starting five in the league. Mm-hmm. And then and then they, they're not bad off the bench either. They're, they're a very veteran team. Donovan Mitchell's probably the youngest player, and he's at this point almost looked at as a veteran in a way. Um, he's definitely a go-to scorer in the playoffs. He's had a 50-point game, for goodness sakes. I think that, gosh, I go back and forth with this one because I truly think it's a really interesting matchup because the Clippers have no answer for Gobert. But Gobert's not a 30-point-a-night guy. He's not trying to get his shot. But if he tries to be that offensive threat, what do the Clippers do? And if they all of a sudden they start to focus on him and Donovan Mitchell still wants to be that guy, then but what is the Jazz's answer for Kawhi Leonard? So I, I really they, have, go back yeah. and, they don't have one. I go back and They're forth. both bad mismatches for each other. I just look at you take the Clippers best two players even. I don't think they really have an answer for Paul George or Kawhi in terms of that position. But you flip it and you look at the best player for Utah, and it's clearly Donovan Mitchell. That's who the team runs through. And I believe with Beverly, oh, four, even Rondo now. Beverly, Rondo, Kawhi, um, Paul George. I just think they're going to really wear down Donovan Mitchell in this series. And it's going to be real unfortunate if that ankle flares up again that he injured during the season. I think that's fully recovered. I don't expect it to. But I just think... In the Memphis game, they showed what they are without Donovan Mitchell. If they can eliminate or heavily reduce what he can do, I, I like the Clippers here. I just, I don't I think, think it's enough. I think, I think this is a really good series. Let me say this: I'll be rooting on the Jazz because, again, I think this is a very unique year with with no dynasty Warriors and no LeBron James. It'll be interesting who wins the title because it could change the narrative in the NBA for a couple of years. I'm going to be rooting on the Jazz, but I think the Clippers are too much. I agree. I think Kawhi Leonard, um, hopefully this this Mavs series lit a fire in his ass, and he just is the Kawhi that we think he can be, and the one we were talking about after the 2019 season when he joined the Clippers. Um, I'm taking Clippers in seven games. I think it's going to be a hell of a series. Probably probably the best series, if, if I well, had to guess. I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and the Clippers and Jazz played three games in the regular season. Yeah. The Jazz won one of those games by 18 points when Paul George and Kawhi both sat out. Neither of them played. The two that everyone played, the Jazz won by six, and then the Clippers won by four. So it's they're extremely... Yeah, they're extremely close games. And in one game, Donovan Mitchell went for 35, Mike Conley for 16. And in the other one, Mike Conley went for 33 and Donovan Mitchell 15. So the point guard play actually really excelled, you know, vice versa. The point, the two guards put up 50 points against the Clippers, both go around. But again, the two games were comb- separated by a combined 10 points. So these teams are extremely close, and it's really going to be a game of who takes care of the ball better, maybe offensive rebounds, second-chance points. They both get their threes up. They both you know, they both have their goods and bads, but the Jazz won 52 games. So I'm not going to tell anyone they're dumb for picking the Jazz. I mean, they're the one seed for a reason. Yeah, no, I and I could fully anticipate and see the Jazz winning. I just am going to take the Clippers here. Um, 
though I believe they're a flawed team, I think they have enough to get by a very unexperienced, inexperienced, sorry, not unexperienced, inexperienced jazz team. So uh, we'll move over here to the east. We'll go to the one seed, the 76ers, against the five seed, the Hawks. The Hawks were able to steal game one on the road. Where are you at with this series? I know you're big on the Sixers. They were your finals prediction. Still like them. Still like the 76ers. I think they came in and really underestimated the Hawks. The Hawks came out and just jumped them right there. Like, coming out of the locker room, they just jumped out of the stands. Pop, pop, pop. Just started beating them. Got off to a big lead. And the 76ers slowly started to eat at it. I think the 76ers, if anyone's watching that game, you may have noticed that they had that late push in the fourth quarter. But, oh, my goodness, the 76ers missed so many open shots and were still able to start coming back. And what I look at is they don't have any – Clint Capella, doesn't, they don't have any answer for Joel Embiid. He dropped 39. I think he's going to score over 30 in every series. But what happened, what I saw, is with about three minutes left in the third quarter, some sort of f- switch flipped in Ben Simmons. And he went in all-out attack mode on offense. He was driving to the rim at will. He started picking up Trey Young on defense and was running through switches and picks. And look for Trey Young's numbers to come down. Ben Simmons already mentioned he asked for the assignment. He will be the primary defender on Trey Young. Joel Embiid's going to get his. 76ers, you know, they're aware that they're not going to – this big lead isn't going to happen again. I still expect Atlanta to maybe get – they're going to get one more, maybe even two. This could go seven since they stole game one in Philadelphia. But I'm not going to bet against the 76ers. I think they'll come out and win game two, which I believe is tonight. Today, yep, 7.30 tonight. Um, that's, you know, for Eastern time zone, that's a really good time. So 7.30, look for the 76ers to bounce back and even this series up 1-1, calm down the the vibes a little bit but um good for the hawks love watching the hawks man are they fun they got they got nice jerseys those black and yellow whoo love their jerseys gotta love trey young collins capella they're all playing really well hawks have have a great young team and they have a couple of shooters they're exciting to watch and they don't get punked like they don't a team like this that's this young if you really think about it they they falter in these situations. They usually they run and hide when things start. They literally looked Madison Square Garden in the face, spit on it, and went to town. They walked right into Philly, looked them right in the face, and like, you're not going to punk us. And they won the game. So it's like, to that? They've taken Trey Young's personality. Uh, I, I mean, uh, he leads that team. Yeah. they uh, To that, they get a round of applause, and I gave him one. So... Um, I like the Hawks to steal a couple of games. I don't think there's going to be a gentleman sweep now. I don't think that the Sixers mm-hmm. are going four straight. But uh, I think the Sixers are way too much for the Hawks. There's a reason the Hawks are the five seed, and that's not to say they can't beat the six, Sixers, but it's a tall ask. Joel Embiid did play the game of his life, and they lost, which was kind of shocking. But watch out for Tobias Harris to have a much better series. And I think that this will turn around, and I think the Sixers will probably win in six. I know most people may favor Luka here, but someone posted in Facebook, has there ever been a more win-win trade in the NBA ever than Luka and Trey Young being traded on draft night after being drafted? Like, both teams got completely what they needed, like, via that trade. 
it's pretty remarkable to see both them having the like success they're having with their teams. I feel like this is going to come off as a shot at Luca when it's not intended to be. But I mean, honestly, they're they're, they're very similar players in the sense of yeah. where they're at in the league, what they do for each other's teams. Obviously, Trey Young's usage rate is not as high as Luca's, and he's not trying to get all the assists and stuff. Sometimes that comes. Um, both skilled shooters. Obviously, Trey Young's a, a much more polished shooter, but Luca's getting there. Um, I think it's an even trade. I mean, I, I, if, you're, if you're the Hawks today, you're you're not disappointed. Like, oh well, we had Luca. No, we had fucking Trey Young. Oh, absolutely. We're, we're that, that. That's 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 what I meant. Like, yeah. Some people might say like, well, Luca. No, for each team, for each city, they are extremely it could have very happy. Easily been like we traded Luca away for nothing. I don't exactly. know if you remember or this. Or vice I'm, versa. Literally, so George Hill played for the Spurs way back in the day, and Kawhi Leonard was an up-and-coming, not even up-and-coming. He was literally just a drafted player out of the yeah, for the Pacers, and George Hill was traded for Kawhi Leonard. Not a fair trade. Obviously, we know this today. But it's like, those trades happen. That trade, Trey Young uh, for Luka, I mean, both teams got their franchise player for yeah. 10, you would assume, 10 years. And they're going to be connected forever, too. Yeah. I yeah, would like to see sure. one time they get a finals against each other, one being in the West, one in the East. That would be yeah. cool. They got ways to go, but Tons they're both like that. Yeah. 22, 23. Yeah, Shoot. super young. Uh, we both took the Sixers here. We'll move on to our last series. Um, I don't want to say this one's over because last series, for everybody that's not paying attention to the playoffs, the Mavericks were up 2 to nothing on the Clippers, and everybody wrote the Clippers off. I'm writing the Bucks off. <laughs> <laughs> but the Nets, the two seed, are playing the Bucks, the three seed. The Nets are up two to nothing, and the average margin of victory is like 25 or 30 points. Like, it's not close. And they <laughs> don't even have – James Harden has played – you ready for this? 46 <laughs> seconds in this series. <laughs> so, where are you going? Do the Bucks have a chance? The Bucks, of course, have a chance. But, goodness me, Brooklyn – they don't miss. They have so many players that can just. It's like they make two or three for every one they miss. It's almost comedy. Like, I, I remember I was watching the game. They won by 39 last night. Uh, and Casey was walking around the house. I said, come here. And she's like, what? I was like, bet you they make their next shot. They dribble down the court. Durant crosses somebody up. Bang. It falls. I'm like, this is a video game. It's incredible. Yeah. And. What they're Blake Griffin? Where is this coming from? Max Kellerman said something. I hate Max Kellerman. He said that Blake Griffin owes Detroit money. He does. He owes the Pistons money. And then you've got Joe Harris, who's like a new Ray Allen, Kyle Korver, just invisible for 15 minutes, and then you'll just knock down three threes because they'll try and not guard him and. Kyrie Irving's unguardable. Kevin Durant's unguardable. And all their guys can hit threes. Blake Griffin's hitting three and four threes a game. I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. And Giannis, man, he can be X and O'd out of a game. He can be X and O'd out of a game. It'd be one thing if he could make his free throws so you were scared to foul him. But it's like you stay in front of him, force up a hard shot. And if he gets past you, foul him. He's probably not going to make both of them. I mean... He could be game planned out, which will lead me to another thought in a little bit. But I got Brooklyn 
do I have any reason not to think they're going to sweep them? It just doesn't let look me, like let Milwaukee me say, has any. Let me, let me say this. Middleton's 13 for 43. They're going to win a game in Milwaukee. I have to give them one game at least in Milwaukee, but Chris Middleton shooting 13 for 43. Giannis throwing up bricks. What happens, at least in the first two games, is Milwaukee plays methodical basketball down the floor. They run plays. Brooklyn is in transition, making shots everywhere. They get up by like 12, and then the Bucks start playing the Nets game. They run down, shoot up a three, miss. But the, every time they miss, the Nets come down and make another one. It's They are a headache defensively, and uh, it's just incredible to watch, to be honest with you. I have no reason to hate against Brooklyn. They, they look incredible. It's so fun to watch. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Giannis averaged somewhere between 32 to 36 points a game against the Nets during the season. He hasn't hit that number yet, obviously. Look for him to have that in game three. And if the Nets even keep it close, even close, I have no hope for the Bucks. The Bucks need to really put it down on the Nets in game three to give me an idea that you even have a chance. Because just keeping it, if you beat them by four points, I'm sorry, they don't have their best player. Their second best player. Okay, And what I also find incredibly humorous is so Kevin Durant and Kyrie both signed last year with the Nets, right? We loved it. Kevin Durant was going to sit out a year. Kyrie played a handful of games, ended up getting hurt, right? And they didn't come back in the bubble. For whatever reason, they both decided they weren't going to play in the bubble, which I find incredibly fascinating because what if they did? Story for another day. But what if they did? Keep that in the back of your mind. So then they come into this season, okay, and they have a solid roster. They traded everyone for James Harden. Karis LeVert. LeVert. a big part of that. Jared Allen. Yeah. Okay. Multiple pieces. They trade for James Harden. James Harden's not even here. And do you remember, prior to the James Harden trade, we were talking about how depleted the roster was because they only had two superstars a lot of the talk was well they have Kevin Durant they have Kyrie that's really it and obviously Levert's upcoming Jared Allen's upcoming but like they traded those guys now they literally have nobody except guys like Joe Harris are coming out of their bubble and Blake Griffin all of a sudden looks like 2011 Blake Griffin and if they get James Harden this series isn't even fair Middleton Middleton needs to have 22 to 25 tonight or they don't have a chance. Giannis needs to try it. Not tonight, but next time they play. Giannis, I'm sorry, man. You are the only mismatch this team has. You're it. You got to get 35. You got to go back to regular season Giannis. And if that's not possible, not only are they getting swept, they'll be swept and it'll be the largest margin of victory over a three seed in NBA history. I just look at when LeBron and Kawhi played together. LeBron was the best player in the league, and with Kyrie, we all said it doesn't matter what the rest of the roster is. They played with an okay roster and won the NBA Finals. Well, Kevin Durant's the best player in the NBA now. Like, he was always number two to LeBron. People, you know, flip back and forth. But LeBron in year 18 just doesn't look the part anymore. Two injuries, you know, he's getting older. 
I have no problem saying right now Kevin Durant's the best player in the league. And when you have a, a co-star like Kyrie Irving, and then you surround him with, you know, pieces that buy in and a three-point specialist, you know, to where LeBron had a Ray Allen with the Heat, or he had a Kyle Korver with the with the Cavs. They have Joe Harris. It's basically like a rebuilt version of the Cavs with LeBron and Kyrie. It's just Durant and Kyrie. And Durant is so gifted at scoring. He's got a he's he's just him and LeBron have different play styles. Kevin Durant's and Kyrie's go hand in hand and they just they're nuclear offensively. They're just they're nuclear offensively. Yeah. It's it's remarkable. But you're taking the nets. Oh yeah. yeah and I just want to say I, I don't know how you get them away or I don't know how you make the money, but before, when Giannis was thinking about leaving the Bucks, I think Giannis would have been a perfect, perfect co-star with Luka Doncic. I know you could say that about anyone who's maybe really good, but Luka's ball dominant. Giannis is not. Giannis needs to play, you know, closer to the basket. Luka plays further away from the basket. Um, when it's late in the game and you don't want to take the, the shot because, you know, Giannis can't do that. That's where Luca shines a lot of the time. Um, they're both foreign players. You know, I, I just think they, they're both similar in age, 22 and 25. I think if, if they would have teamed up for the next five, 10 years, we could have been talking about a dynamic duo in Dallas. I don't know if they can get him away from that. I don't know the ins and outs of Giannis's contract, if he can, you know, drop it or how all that works. But obviously you can ask for any other top talent, but I think anyone would argue like, I think the perfect example is, you know, Giannis is Lamar Jackson. You have six days to prepare. You run into him in week 12, and Lamar Jackson's not like any other player in the league. So on a Thursday night, Giannis is going to drop 36 points on your head. But when it gets to the playoffs, and you can say, how do we limit their skill set? You can kind of, well, no, not kind of, you can really limit what Giannis and Lamar can do. Because Lamar, his throwing isn't quite there, and Giannis is shooting. So I think that they're they're extremely comparable in terms of out of sport athletes. But um, we talked about Luca needing a co-star, you know, not Chris Stapps. And um, it's weird because there's a particular skill set that would have to go with Luca. I don't think you can just put anybody with his play style. I think Giannis would be a home run. Not Bradley Beal when you were when you said Paul George Bradley Beal. It's Giannis. Yeah. I think for yeah. a lot of reasons it makes sense. Yeah, I just can't see. After he signed that deal, I know it's pretty much impossible. It's it's not impossible in money wise. It's impossible in the sense of like the Mavericks would have to give up every first round pick for the next decade. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 one you of those things like. Giannis. Yeah, it's one of those things Anybody like veterans that are just like maybe three point shooters or just defensive guys that would want to just come play in Dallas, middle of the country, so your flights aren't terribly long anyway. No state tax. Play for maybe the greatest owner in the NBA currently, and Mark Cuban. I mean, there's so many there's so many positive things about the Dallas area that I, I'd, especially if Giannis was there already, and that's just, of course, it's fun to think about, but. I, I was really hoping he wouldn't resign with the Bucks, or maybe he'd sign like a one-year deal to see if they could improve. But since they've he signed, improved. A, Sydney, they've improved. Oh yeah, he, Drew he just hasn't. 
he just he's he's a good player. I'm not trying to we're not neither of us are downing him as a player. He's a great player, but he's extremely limited. And as you said, you know, the Lamar Jackson idea, which is perfect, by the way. Those players are both extremely, extremely limited late in games because they're asked to do something that neither of them are great at. With a lead. Throw it, throw from behind or shoot your way out of, he just, that's not what Giannis is. Can't do it. Can't hit free throws. Can't, I mean, so. I just know the Mavericks have a history of, you know, them and the Spurs like in European players. And when you have, you know, if Chris Stapps wants out, Chris Stapps, you know, you try and do everything you could to keep Tim Hardaway Jr. But you look at Jalen Brunson, Trey Burke, Chris Stapps, all the future first-round picks. I mean, maybe even Finney Smith. You give up everything in the kitchen sink to try and get Giannis from Milwaukee, bring him to Dallas, and let Luka and him run it. But that's obviously, that's off-season, that's speculation, that's yeah another day. But if you're listening, well, think about that. Yeah. Luka, Giannis, just the way you watch them, the way they play, they would be amazing together. Yeah. Well, that's the entire second round. There's uh, there's eight teams in total that are left. Obviously, like we said, no Warriors, no Lakers. This is wide open. A lot of teams have a chance. I, I don't even rule out the Hawks, which is probably – they are the worst team remaining by seeding, and they're the worst team remaining by record. Um, but I wouldn't even rule them out to make a run for this championship. I think the Sixers are an uphill battle, but just uh, a, a lot of fun basketball to watch. Yep, yeah, just a little recap. I think the final four will be Clippers against the Suns, 76ers versus the Nets. I also agree. I think we differed on how many games, but we agree completely oh, you, on the matchup. You had Clippers beating Utah as well? Yeah, but it's going to take seven games. I, yeah, I, I think yeah, long series. I like yeah. I just think that the Jazz are not they're not mature enough yet. That's just really I, what it is. I think the only thing we disagreed on is Suns Nuggets aren't going past five games. Yeah, and I think that that one probably goes six or seven as well. So, all right, guys. Well, let us know what you. Well, think. it's been real. That's the second round of the NBA playoffs. I hope you guys have listened to the soccer episode. If you have not, please do. Um, the Euros start this Friday, eleven at uh, June eleventh. Uh, I thought nope. Brad did Brad did a tremendous job explaining how the Euros were because I had no idea. So I now feel like I understand the concept, and I think you guys will as well. And if you have any questions, reach out to us on the Facebook page. Um, let us know how you guys are feeling these, and uh, we'll be back next week with something. Yep, catch you later, guys. Later.